Hello and welcome back to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. My name is Mars Dawson. I am your host today. Thank you all very much for spending your commute or podcasting listening time with us today. Um, today we're going to be returning to one of my favourite topics, which is artificial intelligence. But this time we're going to be framing it a bit differently and we're going to be looking at it in the context of the healthcare industry. Uh, so I'd like to welcome my two guests today. We have Jack Vernon and Adriana Alocato. Welcome to both. Hello, Miles. Thank you. Um, I wonder whether you, you could just take us through your research coverage at IDC. Jack, do you want to go first? Yeah, so I'm one of the lead analysts on the European AI systems practice, so I, I think I'll have a better cover of the AI side uh, on this call today. <laughs> Excellent. And Adriana? Uh, I'm senior research analyst at IDC Health Insights, so we cover everything related to the healthcare market in Europe. Brilliant, brilliant. So, um, I'll open up with a question that uh, harks back to 2016, which just seems like a long time ago now. There was a famous AI research scientist, uh, Jeffrey Hinton, and he tweeted uh, quite a famous tweet calling for healthcare industry professionals to stop training radiologists because deep learning will get so good that it will surpass them in performance within the next five years. Now, this hasn't transpired so far, so I'd like to understand why you think that is and whether you think this is the right attitude for technologists to take towards healthcare. Yeah, so firstly, I'd just like to say that um, deep learning does have a lot to offer the healthcare space in general and radiology, um, but I just don't quite think we're at the stage where we're ready to wholesale replace uh, an entire sort of class of the medical profession. Yeah. yeah, so firstly, most medical professionals do more than just perform a single task of interpreting medical images. So often deep learning models are trained for a specific task, such as nodule detection on a chest or a hemorrhage in a brain scan. Um, but often most diagnoses and analysis come from analyzing multiple sections of a medical image. So first of all, the human body is a complex environment. You've got lots of different types of organs, um, bones, all this type of thing uh, is in there, which which means that it, it's very difficult actually to train deep learning algorithms to a position where they're of a quality where they can interpret all this noise, um, unlike radiologists. There has been sort of a few sort of contrary examples to this point. So DeepMind um, famously trained an algorithm uh, that became very good at identifying uh, 50 types of vision impairing diseases inside the eye of of humans but the the eye although like a complex environment it's one single environment that's not complicated by uh, other types of organs or bones so it's kind of apparent why it would be possible to do on an organ like the eye i think another point to make here is that radiologists like most medical professionals also perform a mixture of additional tasks such as communicating with other healthcare professionals in some circumstances as well they perform some treatments and they're often involved in defining the, the parameters at which medical images are, are actually taking place. So, you know, interpreting medical images is just one part of their role. Another reason is, is that actually building up the data sets large enough to train the algorithms on has been incredibly challenging up to now. Um, due to data protection laws in Europe and the US, it's been difficult to create a critical mass of data um, to train an algorithm up to a standard where it could be deployed widely across the medical profession. A third point to make here, or a final point to make here, is about explainability. So often these algorithms don't come with explainability baked into them. So okay, yes, they might be very good at 
identifying some types of some type of disease or ailment um, from a radiological scan, but they won't be able to explain to the end user uh, what particular part of the image that, uh, that the algorithm was focused on, which is also problematic as well. Yeah, I suppose this is an interesting point, isn't it? Because I know machine learning algorithms get so complicated by the end that it's almost impossible for um, for people to understand exactly how they work. Um, and so if, if it throws up a positive based on a scan, there's a chance that you wouldn't even know why. And you would be able to look at it and think, well, why, why has that become positive? And then you wouldn't be able to sort of open the hood and look and understand what's going on underneath. Yeah, I think there's a lot of tools in the area that are emerging, um, but we're still like not at a stage where you know, most medical professionals would be comfortable um, with that type of technology. Mm, absolutely. Um, Adriano, how about yourself? What's your view on this? Well, surely, as uh, already Jack anticipated, I also think that uh, um, artificial intelligence application will never, never be able to be to replace healthcare professional. You know, AI application can evaluate huge amounts of data to make accurate predictions, recommendations, but the outcomes, uh, even if perfectly accurate, is always machine-driven. And many clinicians base their prediction, their evaluation, and their care choices on just intuition, assumptions, and their career experience. All these factors cannot be represented by, by data. However, even if artificial intelligence will never replace human doctors, the healthcare landscape is still going to be one of the most important uses of artificial intelligence based on my experience. And uh, it is changing the healthcare market in many ways, from drug development to clinical research to help doctors to fight the best treatment for the, for the patient. And, uh, in fact, the IDC data, the IDC European Technology Industry Pulse Survey 2020 confirm this trend just because investment in this area is ramping up very quickly. To date, 29% of European healthcare organizations have already adopted artificial intelligence system in the healthcare sectors. And uh, while the 20% have planned to adopt it in the next uh, 12 months, my suggestion for uh, uh, vendors, AI vendors that really want to enter the, this market, this space, is that they have a really great opportunity to create application that will be able to personalize routine and preventive care that is much useful in this moment. And the ability to baseline an individual's various data and then to coax out risk for disease, shape diet, dietary suggestion, all this can give uh, the healthcare practitioners and professionals the possibility to shape and filter personalized patient pathway, creating preventive care system that reduces costs in both in dollars, but also uh, much more important in, uh, in human life. So it's in this sense that AI doesn't take into account uh, patient-specific characteristics and circumstances, and we still need the, the help of human doctors. And I would add, uh, we are really lucky to still have uh, the, the possibility to, to, to consult human doctors. Absolutely. So AI, rather than taking over from human doctors, is augmenting 
the service that they provide with uh, with extra intelligence, which is excellent. So, how are these AI technologies um, impacting healthcare, both both from a process transformation view, but also I think, or arguably more importantly, from a cultural perspective as well. Well, um, you know, the success of AI application is strictly linked to, to the proliferation of, of data. And it is, in fact, used to operationalize the insights coming from big data to optimize resources allocation and serve compliance with the care quality standard. And for healthcare information systems, this means that AI will have major impact on key application as uh, the electronic healthcare record or their management prescription support, but even population uh, health management platforms. Um, in my opinion, uh, artificial intelligence application will get a big boost from the advent of 5G technologies, which is bound to enhance mobile connectivity, improving the transmission of large volumes of data, such as large imaging files. And, for example, um, the 65 percent of European healthcare providers see compelling use case for uh, 5G technology, especially linked to the artificial intelligence. More data will become available in real time to help support more powerful AI system to manage scheduling capacity and patient health concerns. So. Just simply increasing the, the, the data capacity and providing connectivity for a large number of sensors and solutions, 5G can also help to reduce the risk of disruption of clinical workflows. This means that we can improve patient safety, but uh, more important, patient experience. And uh, another emerging technology that is worth to, to be mentioned is for sure um, the quantum computing. Uh, that associated to artificial intelligence can address the challenges of big data processing for genome sequence reconstructions. Um, for example, uh, Ethos, uh, Bayer, and Haken University uh, have joined together into a partnership for evaluating the use of quantum computing in uh, research analysis. This project uses um, an anonymized real-world data of intensive care patients to identify correlation between multiple conditions and patterns of disease evolution. And the ATOS quantum learning machine uh, will be able to power the data analysis to research correlation between co-curing condition and the changing nature of disease. And this is very important because this study uh, should be able to prove that quantum enhanced algorithms would be capable of outperforming the classical medical data analysis approach. So it's, uh, it would be a really huge help for human doctors. And in this way, we are going to confirm what we initially stated, that artificial intelligence is just going to support the, the daily work of human doctors in a very good way. Excellent. Thanks for that. And uh, Jack, how about you? Well, we're already seeing um, that healthcare providers are spending a lot of money on artificial intelligence technologies, even though the perception is generally that healthcare providers are perhaps not the you know, fastest adopters of emerging technologies, as I think this is one area where they're really already leveraging a, a lot of benefit. So by 2023, IDC has forecast that spending on AI-related technology should reach 1 billion US dollars. 
And we're tracking nine key use cases in that area at the moment, uh, the largest of which is diagnostic and treatment systems. But I think there's also going to be many other sort of more subtle ways that AI is going to have a profound impact on the operations of, you know, the everyday activities of healthcare professionals. For instance, record keeping has become a massive part of the role of doctors and nurses. And companies like Nuance Communications have developed speech recognition systems that allow doctors to dictate uh, their updates to patient records and notes, um, meaning that they don't have to type them up manually, which saves them a lot of time. So it's, it's just this kind of what might seem like a sort of small application can save healthcare professionals a lot of time in their day. And I think it's that type of impact which will be really positive for the healthcare sector and improve efficiency. Adriana, would you would you have anything to say about the sort of cultural impact? Is it just is it just another technology, or do you think it's going to have a um, more sort of profound impact? No, no, on the no. It's not another technology. It will be the technology of the future for healthcare, uh, based on my opinion. The point is that we should even train, or uh, any stakeholder within the ecosystem should be even trained to to help doctors to understand that uh, AI technology comes to support them, to help them to to analyze multiple data, to make connection, to make relation and to understand better uh, the condition of the patient uh, with the changing nature of the disease that they, they could have in the future. So it's um, any any stakeholder from the government to payers uh, to any other type of healthcare organization should work uh, specifically with the doctors and healthcare professionals to help them understand that it's something that is coming to, to help them, to facilitate the work, to let them taking care of the people other than uh, thinking about uh, bureaucratic or organizational stuff. Okay, yeah, so we were saying that it's basically going to have a profound impact on reducing sort of bureaucratic nature of um most healthcare systems, which is obviously a positive thing. So hopefully it should be a net positive impact on culture. <laughs> You'd imagine so. So that's a really great overview. Thank you. So what would we say are the most innovative uh, projects uh, in Europe at the moment in relation to AI and healthcare? Adriana, I'd love to hear some, some examples that you've got. Well, um, as I said, investments in this area are increasing, and this uh, this is happening even thanks to the um, to a great initiative from European Commission commissions that has requested all countries to have an artificial intelligence plan in place by the middle of uh, 2019s, and this of course applies even to the healthcare sectors. And the definition of application potential and the national budget allocation for artificial intelligence projects in healthcare has boosted research plans, academic programs, and the capability building across the, the Western European region in particular. So we are plenty of use cases uh, in the market. For, for example, in, in the UK, the South Devon and Turbay Clinical Commissioning Group has invested into AI solution that uh, through a recommendation engine provides personalized self-care advice and even a gateway to information and support available. It is designed to engage individuals with their health and improve outcomes. So in this way, it is designed basically to, to, to improve patient experience. Uh, 
But we have another great example for, in, uh, in France where the Cure Institute has uh, partnered with a startup uh, called Awakin uh, to deploy artificial intelligence tools that would be able to analyze electronic healthcare records and natural language and offer support to clinical decision making in complex cases such as tumors, cancers, uh, with the heterogeneous response to different treatments. So this is a great example in terms of uh, helping the decision-making, the care decision-making for, uh, for doctors. Always in France, uh, uh, the University Hospital of, of Montpellier has tested an application to prevent uh, suicidal risk in patient natural environment and in real time. So this is a use case related to mental health that is a really great uh, area and use case where artificial intelligence uh, will find uh, um, a lot of space. And specifically in this project, the, the application analyzes several times a day uh, the suicidal risk, providing valuable analytics and uh, predictive data to base treatment, but even to just sending uh, an emergency alert to, to the selected stakeholders. Or uh, uh, in Germany, we have another great example of uh, adoption um, of artificial intelligence. In fact, the university hospital and Technical University of Dresden have developed a statistic risk model for radio-oncology. Um, this technology employs machine learning techniques to help better tailor-made radiotherapy for the individual, uh, for the single tumor uh, patient. And for this purpose, statistical risk models are created, uh, which include the in clinical patient, tumor data, information from modern imaging, and machine learning and deep learning approaches are used to select the, the patterns and model this high-dimensional data. And after successful validation, clinical trials should evaluate whether the therapy can be successful or it needs to be adapted based on what the models have developed. So basically, we can find all over Europe uh, a lot of application of artificial intelligence, especially for uh, designing the clinical pathway of uh, people that suffer cancer, tumor, uh, or uh, uh, complex disease, something similar. This is an area where artificial intelligence in healthcare is find uh, a lot of space, honestly. Mm. Jack, do you want to give some examples? Yeah, I mean, one of the projects that uh, I think is particularly exciting, um, addresses one of the, the big problems with um, data in the healthcare space. Uh, and that's because, you know, hospitals have a problem of sharing patient data. And basically, NVIDIA and uh, King's College Hospital have, are working on a joint project to sort of automate some radiology workflows. But the way they're going about this is is using a technique called federated learning. And this basically provides a, a model where um, the training and development of an algorithm will happen you know, on site at the hospital. And then there'll be a global algorithm um, sat on another piece of infrastructure or in the cloud. And instead of sharing the patient data 
with the global algorithm, all, all, all the training happens at King's College Hospital, and then the, the model updates are then sent to the cloud. So there's no actual sharing of patient data in, in that process. And I think um, that's going to be sort of a key model that is copied across Europe in a number of, of other projects. So that's why I think that one is particularly exciting. Mm, so that's interesting. So it, it uploads the kind of blueprint um, of the algorithm rather than the data that it's using. Yes, exactly, mm. precisely. Excellent, yeah. Um, another another project that I think is really interesting or an, another area perhaps that I think is kind of taking off at the moment is just this area of virtual assistance around healthcare provision. Um, one company in particular in the UK, uh, Babylon Health, um, is sort of a prominent startup in the space. It already has 3.6 million users worldwide and, and has completed over 1.2 million consultations. And it's starting to leverage the data that it has within its chatbot to better predict what type of ailments uh, or diseases that people might have. So it's using you know, previous records of this person inputted this particular set of questions into the chatbot and you know, the end result was this thing to basically streamline the process of diagnosis. And I think that's also quite an interesting area as well. Thank you so much, guys, for such a thorough overview of those use cases. It's always great to hear some examples of how it's being reused in the real world. So to close off, um, I'd love to ask for some recommendations on what IDC have for both the vendors of AI and the end users as well in the healthcare space. What would you recommend for them? What would be your kind of takeaway from this? Well, um, on my side, first of all, I think that an information management strategy should be in place for every end users, in this case, healthcare organizations, because uh, the, the current healthcare ecosystem complexity really requires a more mature understanding of information management needs in addressing open data project, as well as fostering integration and interoperability within a data secure framework. Then I strongly recommend uh, to work in partnership uh, uh, to create pilot data project, both with the research organization, within other healthcare providers to scale investments, but even provide healthcare professional early access to innovative high impact solution. And don't leave the project just as a pilot project and nothing else, but to include it within the ordinary life of the healthcare organization. Then I strongly suggest to work together with the regulators and payers to develop liability management frameworks and ensure that all the legal responsibilities are addressed by lead adopters and related solutions are in place. Uh, another important factor to consider is the, the cultural factor, as we already mentioned before. We needed to train the employees and create a culture of accountability, flexibility, and innovation across all healthcare organization departments. This is essential to promote data-driven decision-making and technology enablement as a core competencies for every member of the team. Uh, then it's also important to create an environment of reusable, high-performance and enterprise-case solution that are able to organize data in uh, database and to um, obtain clinically relevant uh, insight. Thank you very much, Adriana, for taking us through those recommendations. Um, and for the 
final point in this podcast, we're going to return back to our recurring segment on these AI uh, topics with a bit of news uh, from Jack. So, Jack, what's going on in the world of AI at the moment? Uh, well, there's two particular pieces of news, news that I wanted to highlight on this edition of the podcast. And the first one is that Graphcore has just announced that it's raised an additional 150 million US dollars at a valuation of 2 billion. Um, so Graphcore is a UK-based startup uh, focused on the hotly contested area of AI silicon. Um, so $150 million might sound like, sound like a lot of money, but um, this, is, this is an area where you need big pockets. Uh, when NVIDIA launched its Tesla V100 in 2017, which is basically um, its sort of flagship AI chip, Jensen Huang, the CEO, said that the R&D that had gone into that chip was around $3 billion. So a raise of $150 million is significant and impressive, but there's probably still a long way to go for them. So Graphcore has always positioned itself as having a key advantage in terms of its architecture uh, around moving memory far closer to processing. But it also says it's not really sort of focused on perhaps traditional neural network techniques such as convolutional neural networks and it's more focused on uh, addressing algorithms uh, that have priors in them or reinforcement learning. I think at the moment we're not actually seeing many deployments of those types of algorithms at enterprise scale so Graphcore is kind of perhaps waiting for a market to happen. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be there eventually but uh, I think this is quite a a long-term game for them. The other piece of news that I wanted to draw attention to is that recently six European cities uh, have announced that they will use artificial intelligence to move towards carbon neutrality. So the project's called AI for Cities and it will take place over three years and there's some European Union funding lumped up with it. So Helsinki, Amsterdam, Copenhagen, Paris, Stavanger and Tallinn, these authorities are going to try and scope out their needs um, in, in terms of going carbon neutral. And then they're going to challenge a range of startups, SMEs and other relevant local companies to develop innovative solutions, which will then fund in sort of a, a competitive manner. So I think this would be a really interesting project to sort of see how um, artificial intelligence can have a, a big impact on sustainability in cities across Europe. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Jack. And um, I'm afraid that is all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Jack and Adriana for helping us out today. Uh, please do get in touch if you'd like to offer us your comments, your thoughts, your feelings. We'd love to hear from you. You can check us out on Twitter, on LinkedIn, YouTube, or uh, do head over to your search engine and type in IDC UK blog to get some views on what our analysts are currently writing about. And uh, please do hit that subscribe button too. We'd love to see you in a more frequent fashion. Uh, You can find us on Spotify, on SoundCloud, or wherever you happen to get your podcasts. So thank you all very much, and we'll see you next time.